On this week's episode of The Early Crow, we sit down and yarn with Karen McAvoy, three-time Melbourne Cup winning jockey, three-time Everest winning jockey, a a man with a a deep, storied history within racing. He was born into it. He's thrived through it. Uh, He's been to Europe. He's been to Dubai. He's currently in Sydney. He's a Swans fan. Uh, He takes himself extremely seriously. He prepares as well as anyone. He compared that to a footballer, which we did in in the chat. Uh, I thought it was a fascinating conversation, and I hope you guys get something out of it. And we also looked at Mitch Johnson and what he's sort of thrown over the fence at Dave Warner, and a little bit of uh, dribble as well, Tommy. Yep, and now sit back and relax and listen to our chat with K-Mac. Hello and welcome to the Early Crow episode. We don't know, uh, Tommy and I are doing our best, and we've got a huge, huge guest on this week's show, Karen McAvoy, uh, a racing, like a... Bread in the purple, like a proper blue bud. If it was, if it was a, like a yearling sale, the, the page would be very, very fat. Like out of racing families, into racing families, littered with racing all throughout it. Uh, Kieran, thanks for joining Tom and I on the Early Crow. How you going? Good, thanks, Jack. How are you, boys? Nice to see you. Good, mate. Tommy, how are you? A big uh, sort of just opened up the shoulders a little bit at training. I saw it was a two k time trial yesterday, Kieran. So, yeah. uh, if you're familiar with Tom, I'd have him a dollar ten to have somehow got out of doing the two k. Oh, you didn't see anywhere near the front anyway, I know that. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we had our first uh, day yesterday, and um, I didn't do the 2K, but we do another test, and <laughs> it's actually like it's actually harder, so I've actually done myself um, dirty by doing it, so uh, after Christmas, oh, I'm going to be jumping in the 2K, I reckon. But uh, no, nah, it's been tough um, for the first few days. Can imagine. Enjoy, enjoying it? What about the new boys? How's my man Brody going? Big grunts, yeah. we need him. Yeah, yeah, he's he's uh, the new boys are really good. Um, they've obviously got a lot of experience and things like that. So Tay Adams and uh, Grundy are really you can see they're experienced players, really talking in the group, which is good for our group as we're young. Um, but I'm looking forward to getting the match with him. Um, Broads come up to me yesterday saying we're going to have some fun this year. And I said, bloody oath, mate, get those F- forward fifty taps right. <laughs> does it help? Does it help the group have a bit of fresh blood? Like it's sort of uh, they come and they want to prove themselves, so the standards lift a little bit earlier than they would. Yeah, it is. It's um, it's very different now because obviously we we don't have Buddy there. He's obviously a big alpha, and um, it's a it's sort of not a big hole, but it's big personality, and everyone knows he's sort of around. And then Paddy McCartan, he's a really good fella as well, another mate of mine. And then you bring these four new guys in that come from different clubs, but with experience and not just your ordinary clubs from Collingwood and Melbourne who are successful and um, know how to win and they give you good uh, information, uh, what they did and how they win. And we're also doing a, a lot of the right things as well, but you can mix and match. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to really getting into the um, the, the match sim. That's when we really see how we, how we can fit in with them. Karen, are you, a, are you a footy man? I am. I actually wanted to ask Tom this. You know when you get new guys coming in? I just finished reading um, Joel Selwood's book. When you get new guys coming, do they try and are they quite vocal, or do they take a few days to settle in? Or like, I suppose everyone's different, I know. But what's what's the norm? Obviously, they're trying to get around the bloods culture and you know probably bring a little bit of their own stamp as well. What's the what's the norm when you get four new guys step in? It's um, it's sort of I reckon it depends on how old and uh, experience or you are, or something like that. Because I think yeah. Brody and with Brody Tay, Joel Hamling, James Jordan, James Jordan and um, uh, Joel Hamlin, actually, Premiership players, so they're in their own right, have um, 
sort of a purpose to talk and have experience yeah. in winning teams. Tay and 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 uh, Brody are like great players, all Australians. Um, obviously, haven't got that premiership success, but their experience, they know what it's about, know what winning's about. I think that's what's so good about these got four guys. They've spoke up straight away and uh, really heard their voice, which is which is key. And I yeah, think okay. that's going to be great uh, going into preseason and for our young group to work off them as well because <clears throat> this year it probably was a um, bit of a downfall. Uh, we sort of lost a few close games last quarter. We dropped away and then that was what Collingwood and Melbourne were really, really good at, winning those close ones, having big last quarters and, and getting the job done. So, no, it's good. Yeah, beautiful. Are you a um, Swans man, by the sound of it? I think that's probably how we got you on the early crow. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I am actually. It's a long story, but uh, when I first moved to Sydney back in 2008, um, renting in Ramwick and actually bumped into Reece Shaw in the lift one day and um, he was living in the same building, so I became mates with Shawy And How long did it take for him to ask for a tip? <laughs> yeah, not long. Not long. <laughs> not his racing as well. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, started following uh, the Swans and, and um, uh, being from Adelaide, I've, I've got a, a you know a bit of a soft spot for the Crows as well. But yeah, the Swans have been great, and with the boys growing up, we've got three young boys, and you know they've uh, they've taken to the Swans as well, like ducks to water, so to speak. So um, it's been it's been great to you know to get to the SCG and uh, meet a few of the boys, and um, obviously Tom loves his racing, and it's uh, it's, it's been nice to. To get there and, uh, and and see them perform, it's it's you know SCG is fantastic when you're watching footy live. I've heard that you don't mind getting in there and uh, just sort of getting a little bit of a use of the facilities from time to time. <laughs> and I told Tom there's nothing more no. racing than just finding an edge and milking it. No, that's <laughs> yeah. the uh, where, where to go, Body Wells. So it's outside yeah, of the club, but we, we, we uh, the Body World, yeah. Yeah. do the uh, do the cryo there and the hot and colds and um, it's uh, yeah you know it's these guys are at the forefront of recovery and, and uh, you know, it's jockeys. We're just trying to catch up to that. But, it's um, yeah, it's good to meet a few of the boys there and, um, yeah, see them during the week before they get out onto the, onto the stage on the weekends. Has recovery become a bigger and bigger thing for you as you're, um, like, you are one of the more senior riders now in racing in Australia, particularly yeah. in Sydney and Melbourne where it's just extremely competitive? Yeah, I think so. It definitely has. Everyone's gotten a bit smarter uh, no matter what sport you're in, I think, or what field you're in. You know, wellness and recoveries um, gained a lot of traction, and um, yeah, I've been a keen um, ice bather for probably ten or f- ten or so years now. Probably a bit longer actually, but yeah, it's just um, it's a regular for me now, and a lot of the boys are doing it. Um, and as you're getting older, I'm 43 now, so as you're getting older, it's um, you know it's harder on the body. You got to get get yourself up for those big days, so it's it's key for me. Yeah. What's that routine look like? Um, yeah, so. It's, um, you know, I usually train in the gym on a mo- either Mondays or Tuesdays. I actually train with a guy that does a, a bit with um, the Swans, a guy called Lyle Walsh. He's a biomechanics coach and, um, or, or yeah, bio- biomechanics PT. He's, um, he's been pivotal the last few years. I've, I've gotten a lot better with him, uh, strengthened up in a lot of key areas that I was pretty weak in. And um, so I trained with him early in the week and then this morning was pretty busy. Uh, Tuesday morning's the busiest morning on the track. Went to track work. Got up at ten past three. Uh, I was at Rose Hill by four thirty. Um, get up and have a coffee, do a bit of a warm up, drive to wherever you're riding work. I rode five this morning for Walla uh, at Rose Hill, and then had a little bit of a break of about an hour and a half, and then I did about four, twelve or thirteen trialers um, this morning at Rose Hill. So pretty busy morning, and then I jumped in the car on the way home and 
and went and jumped in the um, did the hot and colds at recovery there in Coogee. Um, uh, there I did a did a cryo yesterday actually and uh, jumped in the hot and colds this morning. So yeah, just just um, resting up now. Do a bit of prep work tonight for tomorrow. I've only got two rides tomorrow and then. Uh, Thursday, I'll ride track work at uh, Ramwick probably because I went to Rose Hill this morning. Um, go in there for the Snowden clan and jump on a few. Might ride one for Old Les Bridge. Uh, Friday morning, we've got uh, probably nothing on Friday morning because we've got races Friday night, Canterbury, and then big day Saturday. So, yeah, it's pretty, you're usually on the back of a horse. If you're not racing, you're still on the back of a horse. There's always barrier trials or track work to be done. So, you know, you can go six days a week um, on the back of a horse. So, it's key to like, Get yourself to Rose Hill, get yourself to Randwick as much as you can to balance that out, to maintain relationships, to, to give yourself every possible to find the best possible ride. Yeah, that's right. It's, um, you know, it keeps you fit, riding track work. Plus, you're, you're trying to um, tie in with the guys that you're, you know, you're riding mostly for. So I've been lucky enough to, to be riding for the Waller Stable a lot. So I've, I've been going out there most Tuesday mornings for the last um, well, three or four months. And, um, you know, Chris and his stable have been kind enough to give me a, a, you know, a nice bunch of winners uh, over the last few months, obviously J Max, um, he's he's uh, top dog there. But there's there's a big big stable full of quality horses, which is what we already know. So there's uh, a lot to go around, and I'm lucky enough I can ride light. Yeah, I was saying we uh, speaking of your ice bath and your recovery, Kieran. We uh, recently, well, yesterday, the uh, the sign the science boys. You might have to try this. The uh, <laughs> science boys. The science boys, strength and conditioning boys. They uh, do a lot of research over the over the off season and. Um, try to find different ways to recover, get better, faster, jump higher, etc. Um, yeah, they've, act- they've actually, they've actually, yeah, <laughs> that'd be nice to know. Um, they've actually, they've, we're trying, we're trialing something at the moment. Eleven minutes straight in the ice bath, okay, above, above your nip, above your nipples, oh. um, and that's all you do. You don't jump in the hot, right. um, you don't, and then you do after that. You jump in the like a normal swimming pool and do your mobility through that for eleven minutes. And then you jump out. You don't do hot okay. at all. And then on, say, if you're um, on like a, it's obviously might be a bit different for you, but if you like get a knock or uh, a really sore, like bruisey sore, like domsy, then that's when you do the 11 yeah. minutes up to your nipples for the hot. So I don't know if you want to take that into account, but I thought it found yeah. pretty interesting that we've started trying. Yeah, right. That's interesting, isn't it? Sure. How cold are your pools? We, I think ours are at about eight. Yeah. At the moment, about eight, and then the hot's about forty. But yeah, <clears throat> the eleven. I, I was before. I was usually. I'm usually like a three minute cold, three minute hot. But the eleven minutes yeah. straight the, yesterday was just extraordinary. You you were so cold, but then I yeah. actually felt amazing, amazing. Like probably an hour after, it was really good. Yeah, right. I reckon. Tom's got a big edge with that because he can do it with the boys and they can sort of yarn and you know banter. <laughs> that would be a lot tougher for you, Kieran. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As a jockey, you're a sole trader. You're, you're, you're either got one of your mates here or you're in there on your own. So it's, it's, it's interesting in the ice bath because you, you get in there and you actually go. I like to go quiet. It makes you. It helps you. Yeah. I don't know. Try and get through it. So uh, let's talk. Let's talk ponies. Actual racing, Karen. Um, you obviously like started. Uh, I did a little bit of research before I started this um, show today. <laughs> Uh, shout out to uh, Elong and Chat GTP, but um, bred, bred into it and just started sort of. Was it before you even walked? You were like on them almost horses. Yeah, it was a uh, racing family that I grew up in, and Dad was a jockey. Uh, two of my uncles 
big, uh, big fat Tony McAvoy was a jockey, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing because I, I was a mounting yard uh, only punter, and yeah. uh, he's one of the nicer trainers on track. You know what I mean? You could just go and talk to him, and I'd always learn something off the great man. Yeah, yeah, right. But to, to picture him as a jockey, it's, it's, <laughs> you have to stretch the old imagination a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So, um, he. Uh, he often says, Tony, that his 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 favourite thing, his his favourite friend as a youngster was the Bay Marie. He used to just eat them. <laughs> um, still, no, still might be. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I grew up in with horses. Nana, my 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 mum's father was a jockey, then a horse trainer. So, as a kid, I was always up at the stables, and I just grew a you know, passion grew from there. Just grew a love of the horse, and you know had ponies, um, always off to the races with Pop and. Dad was still riding as a young kid, just in the bush, like Port Lincoln, Sejuna, uh, Port Augusta. Went to Adelaide a few times. Pop used to take a few horses to Adelaide and, and head over there and uh, get a bit of bookies money. Um, so I was always uh, in, in the car with the fly on the back with Pop and just just always had a passion for being a jockey and riding horses. And luckily I stayed light. Um, was able to get a really good grounding in the bush with them. Uh, growing up in Streaky Bay and, and it was just always the, the plan was to, you know, finish school and, and become a jockey and um yeah it's uh it's it's been a, a, a it's been a great road um and you know i've thoroughly enjoyed it it's, it's taken me to all corners of the world and and yeah it's been fantastic where did you do your apprenticeship so i started with my pop his name was bill holland in uh, streaky bay so i did um i did a year riding on the the circuit over there with port lincoln a lot of country tracks port augusta um and then I, I, at the time, Tony McAvoy was working at Lindsay Park. So as a youngster, going back before I started race riding, I used to go to uh, Lindsay Park uh, where David Hayes and Peter Hayes and Colin Hayes were, were training. I used to go there as a kid and, and um, you know, spend the holidays riding work there. And, and um, then when I when I'd done a, started off and did a, did, a, did a season with Pop, you know, the big smoke loomed and, and beckoned and I was able to, to get over to Adelaide. But I, I first went on loan with Russell Cameron, um, who's since passed away. Uh, Russell, he was um, he was good enough to take me on for six months in Morpheville there. And um, that's where I met my good mate, Stevie Arnold. Um, he's uh, He's been a, a great friend along the journey with, for me and um, and a great jockey in his own right. And, and then after doing six months with Russell, I went up to, to Lindsay Park and, and um, signed over to... Um, to the Hayes family, and um, yeah, I finished my time with them. So, I did a, I did about six months in Adelaide, or a bit more, and then moved to Melbourne of uh, May nineteen ninety eight. So, uh, it was a bit of a a, um, a learning curve, and, and a uh, what's the word? It's uh, it, it took a bit of um, it took a bit of settling into Melbourne. It was a, it was a it was a tough school at the time, and I was still very raw and new, and and learning the craft, so to speak. So, uh, it was it was a tough initiation into the Melbourne riding scene. So two years later, you finished your apprenticeship and you've you've rode a Melbourne Cup on Brew in two thousand. Yeah. Um, yes. What was the? It's obviously a huge achievement at such a young age. What What was the feelings and your emotions after that? Yeah, it was unbelievable. You know, there was times during my time during my apprenticeship that that I could have been sent back to Adelaide. I wasn't riding well, this and that. Got a bit of a go on as my my um, my claim sort of dwindled down to one and a half, outrode my claim, and then Mike Moroni started putting me on. And, yeah, luckily I'd, I'd won on Brew as an apprentice and, yeah, you know, he, he ended up winning on the Saturday to qualify for the race. And he had 49 kilos on his back and, um, you know, he, he won the cup and, and um, you know, I'll be forever indebted to Mike Moroni and Brew and, and the ownership 
of that horse because you know it just opened up so many doors and you know first ride of the Melbourne Cup I drew barrier 24 uh, gave him a peach I was able to pop over to one off the rail and past the 800 past the 600 I was smoking and I'm thinking to myself far out I'm, I'm, I haven't even let him off the bridle here and I knew he'd run the trip out strong which is what he did and um, yeah the emotions just went through the roof it was uh, it, it was I imagine it like winning a, an AFL grand final perhaps it's, um, it's, it's mm. a special moment yeah it's a bit of a sore point um, <laughs> um, at the moment in Melbourne, a good young apprentice is gold, punting and for good stables. Like we saw Wiramu Pin have a little six month run before that. Ethan Brown, uh, Celine Gordray, Bobby Mertens, like almost won the premiership. Was it like that back in your day? Yeah, there were some good apprentices. Um, Matty Gat was flying. Um, who else was there? Um, Blake Shin was a bit behind me. Uh, Aaron Spateri was was a, a gun gun young apprentice, uh, but Matty Gat was probably the top dog back then. Um, he was he was absolutely flying, and Melbourne's always been a great breeding ground for for, for great young jockeys. And um, Sydney's gathered a bit of momentum, obviously, over the last couple of years, and heading in that direction as well. Um, I'm sure you boys have seen how good the, the riding talents are up here in Sydney as well. But Melbourne's always been the leader in that regard. They've got a great uh, training school there. And um, you know they they uh, they they skill them up very quickly down there. Why why do you think that is? Um, as I said, they've just got a. I think overall the Melbourne trainers, uh, being a bit of a smaller state, you've got more options. You, you, your good trainers go to more more of a variety of the tracks, like a, a, better, a bigger portion of the tracks. So you know there's 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 more racing close to home. You know you can go um, to all the meetings basically in Melbourne, whereas it's a little bit harder here in Sydney. Um, but you get a better a better crack at it as a as a kid. I think there's the trainers down there seem more open to putting on three kilo kids. And um, don't get me wrong, it's it's gotten it's a lot harder now for young kids. They're scrutinised um, a, a lot more. I feel with social media and 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 the coverage of these races um, is is so high tech that every every uh, error is is every, every sectional is uh, analysed and uh, reported on from about 16 different people and probably 15 of them have no idea um, that's right there's a lot of, lot of lot of kickback if you rob one bad there's a lot of kickback and you know you feel for the kids because it's um, they're, they're under a lot of scrutiny yeah that's the same thing that you know the, the young guys go on the swans that just got drafted after sort of face would, would you prefer to race back in the day when there were no mobile phones and you could sort of you know it was a more private space you went and performed you know on tv and then you had your 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 two days to yourself or now there's a lot of publicity and a lot of pressure but there's i assume there's a stack more cash yeah i think i mean obviously the cash is outstanding yeah it's um but yeah the the yeah mobiles is you know it's it's takes away a lot you know it, it takes up so much of your day that you know we're all we're all guilty of using mobiles too much so if you if i to answer your question i would probably I personally would like to go back to the to the days where we didn't rely on mobile so much. Yeah, Tommy. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because that's that's sort of it's a hard one with the. Oh, that's what I find sort of what's so good about the Sydney. I don't know if it's um, Melbourne, Sydney. I suppose the racing is about the same. But that's what I find such a positive with living in Sydney is the the things that you can sort of not get away with, but just. Um, I suppose go about your day-to-day life uh, and do what you want, sort of thing, without being captured or about someone stopping you in the street. Which is not bad, always stopping you in the street. But I don't know when you go to a pub with ten mates. Um, I'm 
I can tell you right now, I bet you 10 to 15 Collingwood boys wouldn't be able to go to a pub in Melbourne and, and have a good time and sort of do what they want. Someone will be capturing a photo of someone doing something. Not stupid, but, I don't know, yeah. sculling a beer when, when they're, oh, so you shouldn't be doing that or something like that. It's just a, it's a very, um, you've got to be very careful now. And it's, it's, I suppose it's, it's about re- being a role model, I know that, but it's also about living your life and, and enjoying uh, what you do with, at the same time as, as your job. That's right, and it's all about having that feeling of a little bit of freedom, I suppose. You know, you, you, you hate to be um, feeling as though you're being watched all the time, I suppose, and, and I can see that you guys would get that up here um, in, in, in Sydney compared to Melbourne, that's for sure. You've ridden a bit overseas. You've gone to Royal Ascot. Um, you went to go to Dubai World Cup, uh, Hong Kong, Japan Cup. Yep. Is that right? No, I so- haven't done the Japan Cup. I went to. Uh, I did go to Japan for the for a jockey series one year, which was great. But yeah, I've been lucky enough to travel around a bit. I got a a gig with uh, alongside Frankie Dottori way back in uh, o th- three, and then I rode for them out here in the, for Godolphin out here. Rode a horse called Beekeeper, who ran third to Media Puzzle one year, and then that sort of opened up a few doors. And yeah, so I got a gig with Godolphin in Dubai, and that was um, that was unreal. Back back then, uh, Frankie was. At full force, and and um, you know they had some uh, quality horses, so I got to see a lot of the world. You know, in Dubai, went over and joined them in England as well. Um, uh, you know, travelling all over the countryside, riding in in races like the Arc de Triomphe and, and all the big races. Ran second in the English Derby. Um, just a, it was a it was a magic time, and learnt so much. You know, it was Frankie de Tories. Uh, I have him mm. as you know. Top of the tree um, in regards to worldwide jockeys, and you know his record says that it's um, it's remarkable. And um, yeah, had some fun times over there, and um, rode a few big winners as well. Did I see how, how you once with a picture of a sheik and a like a cheetah in a house? Um, that was that. There was a it was a story. I went to uh, one of Sheikh Mohammed's villas one night with the Tory and and Simon <laughs> Crisford, who was who was. Uh, the, the CEO of Godolphin and and um, we were there one night just a casual get together and 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 the Tory goes come on boss get out the big cat and I didn't know what he was talking about and um, the boss goes and opens up the, the sliding glass door and gives a whistle and next minute in runs this uh, full grown cheetah <laughs> uh, <laughs> under the table and between our legs and yeah full grown female cheetah so. <laughs> He uh, was sitting there and he goes, don't move, do not move. And I was like sitting there thinking, my God, this thing's going to grab me by the leg or something. But, uh, <laughs> uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was funny. Full grown cheetah walking around in the, in the, under the kitchen table while you're trying to eat your dinner. <laughs> <laughs> That's gold. So the Godolphin re- relationship was huge for you through the sort of middle part of your career. Yeah, it was. It was, um, it was, it was, you know, such an eye-opening experience to, to work for um, Sheikh Mohammed and, and 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 see his passion for the sport and you know there was no stone unturned in trying to breed or or, or build um, his stable up to win big races and you know um, they've 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 got a great record over there in the UK um, throughout Europe as well and, and obviously the, you know since then they've they've come down here in Australia so um, he was a big supporter of mine and. Um, you know, it was, it was a special time in my career, and you know I'm pretty lucky to have been able to win the Caulfield Cup and the Melbourne Cup for him down here um, on on all the good in the Caulfield Cup and and cross counter in the Melbourne Cup. That was a special moment because when I started that gig with them, I, 
uh, that was my main goal was to try and win the Melbourne Cup for him, and I've been able to achieve it. That was like you had a stack of pony that day, didn't you? Like, yeah. Did you even completely let him go? No, I, I did, but luckily I had a heap of horse because I was back. He missed a kick a bit, and then there was a bit of interference at the winning post the first time. A horse um, was injured, and and then I got sort of scuttled off that a little bit. But then we were last, and 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 he he was able to overcome um, being being a long way back in the field and. Um, I had a lot of horse. I had to had to manoeuvre out, and as of myself and Huey Bowman were back in the field. I forget the name of the horse Huey was on now. Uh, it was an English Marmello. It was called Marmello. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Huey went to the inside and got a dream run through, and we loomed passing the four hundred. I could see Michael Walker on. Uh, oh, the thing that oh. the thing that he got off and almost won. Yeah. yeah. What was it? Um, anyway, Prince of um, Tavarian. That's it. No, he was in front, and I thought, I've got this. And then I looked to the left, and I could see Bowman. He was sniping. And uh, <laughs> uh, I, I went full throttle, and, yeah, my fella kept finding. And um, that was a special moment to, to, to get another cup, yeah. I'll get my third cup. Obviously, the the Everest, what year did that come in? 2017, was it? And you've yeah, obviously uh, won. 17. You won 17, yeah, when Red Zale. You've won three in four years it started. Where does that sort of... It's obviously changed the landscape of the prize money and thing in racing. Where do those like rank up in, in your favourite wins or favourite rides uh, against the Melbourne Cups? Obviously, it's so prestigious, the Melbourne Cup, but Everest is sort of the new, new evolve of racing and new prize money. And where do those, those races stack up? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been remarkable um, to see that race develop in, in you know, such a short space of time. Obviously, it's a, I think it's a great initiative by... Um, racing New South Wales, and um, you know, it's really, it's really opened up a new chapter in regards to Australian racing, and it's changed the whole landscape. You know, the, the Sydney mm. Spring has it's, it's, it's probably what Sydney Sydney racing needed. You know, Sydney was previously big in the autumn, but you know, used to always play second fiddle in the in the spring. But uh, it's a different landscape now. COVID changed it a little bit, but I feel that. Um, um, it's um, it, it's it's really gathering momentum, and I still have the Melbourne Cup as the the, the, the top of the tree um, in regards to races. But that's you know I'm a bit of a traditionalist. But you know I've been so lucky enough to have been able to win three Everest. It's uh, it's been um, it's been a, a fun ride, that's for sure. You know Red Zell with the Snowdens was unbelievable on the first two, and then Classic Legend. It's a pretty mm. special feeling to win such a big money race. Um, you know, and the pressure's on, and you you get the job done. It's it's pretty spectacular. He would have been a nice horse to ride, Red Zell. He had that good tactical speed, but he 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 paraded like a six hundred meter horse. Like he got his head down. He had a bit of a different type to him. He just looked like a good horse to ride. Yeah, he was. He he had a good um, sense as to what was what he, what he was required or what you're asking him to do. He was he was brilliant because he was able to get out and dictate. And you know, if he if he wasn't leading, he was sitting second or he was third, fourth, and um, you know, he was um, he, he just went from strength to strength typically under the Snowdens, they were pretty patient with him and he was gelded and he, he just come good as a four year old and a five year old he was, he went to another level and you know, such a beast to ride, he was, um, mm. he, was he was a wonderful horse to sit on and, and had a dynamic, if he got it all he needed was like an easy section, like a three yeah. furlong uh, and if he got an easy section and he got his preferred ground, which was just getting his, his get, getting his toe into the ground a little bit then he was very hard to beat and both those years he won, he, he was able to get the perfect ground um, and, and we got the right run and, and they couldn't catch him.
I always thought that's why I love uh, the Flemington straight so much because you've got cushion and you often don't get brutal tempo for 1,200 metres down the straight. That's right, yeah. He was able to win a good sprint race there. Uh, I forget what year it was now, but he, he was um, he was he was great down the straight as well. He, he won a couple of good races down the straight, I think. Yeah, I remember it. Mm-hmm. $4 he was. Um, what, what motivates you now to keep competing at the highest level? Um, having four kids. <laughs> 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 My man, no, it's it's. Um, I just as a, you know, you're a competitor. I'm a competitor. Um, you know, you, as a jockey, you just want to you want to stay in the moment. You want to stay competing at a high level, um, and riding winners um, is is what it's all about. And you know, it's it's as as a senior rider now, it's it's gotten very competitive. You've got to be on top of your game, whether you're at Hawkesbury on a Thursday or Canterbury on a Friday night or whatever, you, you know, you need to be um, doing the best you can and it's um, it's a cutthroat industry but it's the same as any other top level sport you've, uh, and that, that's what drives me, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I still have a passion for riding horses and, um, you know, I'm, I'm making no stone, un- I'm, I'm making sure there's no stone that's unturned um, in regards to my prep and, and you know, like I said, getting on top of it, the recovery and, and making sure you're feeling good to, to perform on a race day level. It's um, it's what I enjoy doing. I imagine I it's the same for um, both of you, Tom. Tom. Like, yeah, yeah, if you're playing against, like, Collingwood and that, that or Maynard, you hear on the radio that Maynard's, Maynard's had a little twing in the calf and he's out this weekend. You, you get into your, your big rangy, I'm assuming, Karen, you get into the, probably a Merc. And you hear like oh, Hugh, Huey and J Mac are going to Hong Kong. Is there just a little bit of a sort of even though you want to compete against the very best, time to time a little bit of a fist pump and go, oh, time to cash in. <laughs> well, hey, exactly, you know. And, and for instance, Nash got rubbed out the other day. Now, no, you don't want to see anyone get rubbed out, but these blokes are, you know, riding winner after winner. Nash and he, he got rubbed out, so it opens up some doors. And you know, J Mac's gone away for a month. He's he's the, the, um, the he's the go-to man, and you know we've seen how good he is. He's an absolute freak, and you know Huey's away, Brenton Abdullah's away, um, so you know you've got to make hay while the sun shines, and um, you know it's all about um, being ready for for the for the big yards or the big stables. And you know I'm, I'm doing my work for Waller, and, and you just got to turn up and front up and do your best, and, and hopefully you get thrown a bone. So you know it's. Yeah, you you just got to crack on. J Max away for a month, so um, we've got to get you know do, do get what we can while we can and um, and try and win on something and, and hopefully you can stay on it moving forward. That's what and I reckon it's probably as well as the older guys, but I reckon the young guys that's probably what they're trying to do the most now. That's what I um, from when I first started when I was younger. There'd be a small little gap that you might only need one week or two weeks to take your opportunity to try to take that spot. So these young guys now, when J-Mac and Nash is away, and they'll be trying to do the exact same thing because they're young and they need just that first impression or that good ride that gets a good win for a good trainer or a good owner, and that holds them in for good stead down the future. Exactly right. you know, And, and I think that just breeds... Um, the, it breeds a stronger competition in, in, in your club. Like I said, reading Joel Selwood's book, it was, it was, um, it was really eye-opening to... to to read how hard he'd go at training and, and you know, his one-on-ones with um, Dangerfield and stuff like that. Like, you know, he he was um, he was a bull at a gate as to, as to you know, trying to better himself. And um, I think that just, that, that, that's what breeds and, and, and helps get a footy club to the top of the tree, doesn't it? I think that yeah. gets lost sometimes on younger punters too. Yeah, 
you have to understand that the jockey or the trainer, but particularly the jockey in this conversation, is a business and a and a like a club in itself. And they, they'll get frustrated, like in September, if if Karen or J Mac doesn't take like a, a tiny little gap and push out on two other horses to get the favourite home. Mm. But they don't understand that that although you're trying to win all the time, you're also always conscious, particularly in a carnival, of not getting rubbed out for something silly. Yeah, exactly right. You know, there's there's um, there's a fine line between getting it right and wrong, and I think people that have ridden horses or, or you know they'll, they'll understand that um, you need you need a lot of things to go right to, to to get that gap or to get the right run, and you know there's so many variables involved. You know, pace, barrier draws, um, what your opposition, uh, what what your opposing jockey does. You know, if he begins a half length better than you, he, he gets the spot that you need. And, you know, there's there's a lot of things that play out in the first 50 to 100 metres of a race. And, um, you know, barrier draws is, is, a, is a huge um, is a huge thing in, in uh, determining a result. And, you know, it's, I think, yeah, look, the I know the riding group, especially here in Sydney, it's, it's very competitive, um, it's strong. Um, and, yeah, everyone's, everyone's out there trying 110%, uh, you know, every, every race they get legged up on. So... It's um, it's just one of those things you need a lot to go right. What what would be some of the like the the rock solid lessons you've learnt from your racing life that you think could translate to someone listening to their life that would hold them in good stead? Oh, geez, I'm hopeless with these sort of things. Um, <laughs> I think just trusting the process and and being patient. You know, I think you know it's it's about um, it's about keeping it simple. It's uh, in, in my game, you know, you can get caught up with uh, a lot of data and, and this, that, and the other. But at the end of the day, we, you know, we, you, I like to try and keep it simple. You do your homework um, and, and trust the process. Um, get yourself there, ready to ready to perform at 100% uh, or the best you can uh, on any given day. And, and um, if, you, if, you, if you're trusting the process and trusting um, uh, yourself, then and, and being patient, um, it, it helps in the long run. Obviously, um, like we've talked about, like purebred, just racing to the core from birth. Have you got passions outside of the game? Um, good question, that. I'm not sure what I'm going to do when I retire. Um, but oh, you'd be a dollar forty-five to train, wouldn't you? No chance. Bloodstock agent. No chance. No, I don't know. I'll, might be something in the media, but oh, a bit of a passion for maybe doing something with the apprentices. Um, I, I, I like trying to help the young kids and. Um, we've got three boys and two of them are quite keen and doing well with their show jumping and stuff so they could head in the in the direction of being a jockey so I, I, I've got a passion for helping young riders and, and um, that could be something that I might delve into as well but I, I, outside of racing I, I love uh, I love all sports um, and I actually just enjoy keeping fit and, and getting fit you know, whether it's swimming, going to the gym uh, running around after four kids, um, doing, you know, helping with their week, and and um, you know we've got plenty of ponies to look after as well. So um, myself and the wife are pretty flat out. So yeah, other other than riding horses, I'm, uh, I'm if, if I'm not doing anything else, I'm sitting down watching a good game of sport. Might be able to get Karen in lane three, perhaps for our fifty meter freestyle. <laughs> <laughs> I need a head start against you, blokes. <laughs> oh, I don't oh, exercise, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> to go and be struggling a little bit, Lee. Twenty-five meter pool, Karen. By the way, just so right. you know. um, <laughs> do you play any golf? 
Uh, not as much as I'd like to. I used to play a lot before kids. Um, I do like my golf. I was out there on Sunday, actually. Um, first, first actually live golf I've been to in years, but it was it was uh, it was a good day. Um, so yeah, I don't mind around a golf when I can. Um, I'd, I'd love to be able to get back in and play, you know, once or twice a month. But um, we'll, uh, we'll we'll have to uh, keep working at that. How good was the? Uh... The Australian, like, it's just an unbelievable nick, isn't it? Like, the sand is just so white. Oh. It's just... it's The fairways oh, yeah. are just... Yeah. I just couldn't Fairway. believe it. Fairway, it's it just, like, carpet. Yeah. I was just like, Jesus. Yeah, we went to the third and watched... The only tee box I got to was the third and watched um, Min Woo tee off. They were hitting irons off there and, yeah, so crisp. It was unbelievable. I went... Oh. I'll never forget, back in Dubai, I went... Must have been oh three or four. Went to the open there, and everyone was following Tiger. And there was uh, the old the old shark. He was teeing off on a hole. Not not a person following him. So I thought, how good's this? So I, I tagged along, followed the shark for a few holes. It was unbelievable. Got up close to him and everything. <laughs> it was magic. That's great. You, would, you wouldn't want to play that Japanese fella for cash like in Stalford. He was just rock just solid. clutch, wasn't he? He was yeah. clutch, Nishino. How, how good was uh, the Chilean though? He was he was free. Oh yeah. Still he, approaching. Too, yeah, too, but he, too he's, he's classic racing, though, perhaps. Like, it's just, like, kissed, kissed by the gods. Like, put one into the pine straw, and all of a sudden he just flops one over the, the tent. Like, turn it up. Unreal. That was, yeah, that was ridiculous. But, um, the, the wind was, like, playing havoc. Like, I, Scotty would be losing sleep, I reckon, over that triple, that triple he made on 15, or 15, was it? Yeah. He would have been in, uh, but jeez. What was he at the time? What, where, where was he? He was fourteen under. He, he was fourteen, 14 under, under. So in the lead, he would have finished fourteen or fifteen if he had just found that fairway. Far out. Yeah. That's cool, isn't it? That's cool. Yeah. Well, the game. Well, let's not let's not start feeling sorry for Adam Scott. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, I reckon that's sort of about. That's probably taken up enough of your time, Karen. You've been enormous. You've got to get the kids uh, to school as well. Uh, from school, uh, sorry. Yeah, I have to pick them up. Oh, they got. 15 minutes till they finish up but yeah the boys have uh, finished but the little girl's um, just down the road so she's not far away so so how sorry how old is how old's your oldest when, she, when... Uh, so, yeah Charlie's 15 he's in year 10 next year which I can't believe um, the boys go to Waverley actually young Reese, he got it's only the bloody juniors but he got picked in the Swans Academy which he's pretty pumped about oh bloody oh that's good yeah. So he's, he's he's up and about for that. Here we uh, run around the facility. Well, if you make, so if he, yeah, the the, the academy's got their own little area in the facilities. It's unbelievable. Oh, okay. So well, once, uh, he'll, he'll obviously the, he, he knows yeah. you all. The day he texts me from school, he goes, "Dad, guess who I just seen?" I said, "Who's that, mate?" Dane Rampy. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the school that produced the lizard? Yeah, I think uh, it is. Yeah, 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 he put it here. Yeah. I think uh, it's good stuff. Three and Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, so they're, they're all at Waverley, and yeah, they love it. They love it. So. Well, that that makes sense. That's why you've got to keep riding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what what age will you get into the the if he was to an apprenticeship for the well, for a jockey? Yeah. I, well, hopefully it's a bit different now. Like when I was a kid, I finished year ten, and then because I was so keen to get going, mm. um, so I, I was sixteen. So, but you know, nowadays we're going to at least try and get them through year twelve, just so they've got something. Yeah. A bit of a, up, you know, but so but they they do lots of pony riding and and show jumping and um, they do quite well and they've just they've got yeah they they've got a passion for the game as well they 
they know they know every horse that's running on a Saturday and this, that, and the other. So yeah, they, they, that's great. It's quite funny that day because Reese went along on after school on what day is it? Uh, what day was it? Friday to the Randwick meeting. Yeah, he went to Kenzo on Friday, yeah. and I got him hooked up with Charlie Duckworth and and the other foreman there. Um, and so he's walking around with them, carrying the saddles down. And, and then oh, I come out right. to get on one in a race. And, and Charlie goes, he, look at this. He's there because Chris Waller wasn't there. So Charlie had worded up Reese with the instructions for uh, instructions for Tommy Berry. So he's standing there giving Tommy Berry the instructions for one race. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. <laughs> he, was, uh, he, was, he was in his element. Yeah. That's great. Oh, God. You seem like one of the straightest people on the other side of the fence, in my opinion, which is... Uh, Who's that? You. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose, you know, you've got to be straight. You don't want to be doing anything wrong, but I'm... Oh, I'm not straight like that. I just mean, like, yeah, a lot of people in the in the racing game are completely mad. Well, yeah. I mean, I think you have to be partly mad to be a jockey, but... Um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty... I'm probably a bit of a bland bastard, but I just love, I love, I love the simple things in life, and I love, uh, I love riding horses, and you know, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's a great, it's a great game. So it's, um, you know, I get there pretty focused on race day, and like I said, it's, uh, we've got a good jockey's room. We actually have a good laugh, but on those big days, it's, it's, um, you got to, you got to, you got to dial in and lock in, don't you? Looking at the next six months, have you got like goals set, or is it just about that process, like you said, trust that process, day after day, week yeah, after week? I mean, it's a different. I'm in a different stage of my career now. Obviously, you know, Group Ones have slowed up for me a little bit the last couple of years, but winning Group Ones is. I actually, I I think I've gone every season winning a Group One for like since I won the since I won the Melbourne Cup. So. I've, I've, got a, I've got a, or every year, it might be every year or something. Like, anyway, there's a, someone put a stat up one time. Anyway, so that's something I want to try and keep going. So I've got to try and win another group one this year if I can, uh, or sorry, next next year. Um, so uh, that that'll be key. But you know, just haven't really. I, I set I set a goal of like sixty uh, metro winners. Um, yep. You know, I haven't ridden. I haven't ridden. I don't think I've ridden eighty. 80 winners in total. So it'd be nice to get 80 winners in, in total for, for the season. Um, you know, that's that's a goal. So I think so far this season I've ridden the most provincial winners. And it's all about, you know, dialing it back. And, and if you're riding provincial winners, hopefully that can breed into, into city winners. So um, so I've, I'm on a good number for uh, provincial winners so far this season. So that's something that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep an eye on and, and try and progress a bit further. Because particularly sort of like... Even this time of year, you could catch a provincial horse first or second start that that might head to the Magics, or you know, yeah. late, late Jan you might find a provincial winner that can can compete in a like a age restricted sort of six hundred meter plus race, couldn't you? Oh, exactly right. You know, there's there's lots of um, there's lots of good horses firing through, and like you said, you're only you're only a month away from the carnival again, so it's pretty crazy in that regard. But you know, it's the prize money is so good here in in Sydney. You've got to pinch yourself sometimes from. You know, you can you can you can snare a winner on a Saturday and and and, and you know you're away. So it's um, it's great. It's 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 a great time to be a part of the game. Um, you know, it's it's the best thing is it's, it's filtered down through all levels of racing. So provincial, country. Hmm. Um, you know, and there's there's great options for highways, midways. Um, you know, you've got those super maidens now in the bush. Just just a brilliant initiative for 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 getting money back into the participants. You know. Yeah, like there was one on Sunday at like Tamworth or something. Yeah. Um, what what would your top three tracks be like that you love riding at 
in New South Wales. New South Wales, obviously Ramwick. Um, I like Canterbury. It's a brilliant track. It's a it's a little track, but it's brilliant. Great surface. So that'd be probably. F- and then Newcastle would be the other one. So yeah, mm. it's that Newcastle is a brilliant track. So. That's one thing I reckon we need to get a bit better here is, and they have gotten better, but I'd love to see a new facility built somewhere, like a lovely big track. Victoria have got you know, a great um, variety of tracks, um, brilliant tracks down there in Victoria. We need to hopefully, you know, it'd be great to get something built here, um, you know, a nice big track that's fair for everyone. I think that makes it tough for the punter. Like in Victoria, you can just go. Oh, that that horse just needs to go to Sandown, or that horse needs to go yeah. here or there. Yeah. And in Sydney, it's kind of the same, same. Except for like Canterbury's, obviously extremely different. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you've got Wyong Gosford that can suit certain horses, and mm. uh, you know, so it'll be be great to have another big track, whether it's city or provincial. I'm not sure, but either or would be would be beneficial, I reckon, for for everyone um, in the in the game here in, in Sydney and New South Wales. All right, I think that'll do us. Karen McAvoy, God bless you, and thank you for uh, joining uh, Paps and I on the Early Crow. It's been a, a fascinating chat, and we wish you uh, continued success, and hopefully you can nail that Group 1 this season. Yeah, man. thanks, boys. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Good luck. Jeez. Karen McAvoy, Tommy, uh, Swans man, Tick, very nice human being, Tick, good father. It's the way he spoke to his kids off camera, big Tick. Uh, enjoyable conversation. Very impressive human being. He is, isn't he? He's very uh, looks very switched on man. Puts a lot of hard work in, and he's obviously three Everest, three Melbourne Cups. Is um, it's pretty impressive, I reckon. Shout out to Waverley though. He still needs to make a bit more. So um, we wish Kieran all <laughs> sure. the very best. Very grateful to have him on. And uh, let's talk a little bit of cricket. Uh, the Pakistanis, uh, they're probably out here. I'm not sure, but you know, cricket season's getting getting upon us uh, when firstly Royce's got the rig out and he's getting rained off in, in Melbourne but also uh, what it appears to me to be Cricket's attempt at uh, Kane Corns Mitch Johnson's just had one of the, the biggest long range missile attacks of all time on, on Davey Warner who he would have shared a changing room with for at least five or six seasons I'd assume at the highest level thoughts on all of this uh, I don't even know what he said to be honest top of my head or care I just know that it was a vicious attack upon him. And I think he sort of clipped, like, chucked out the chicken wing onto George Bailey on the way through. Um, yeah. Odd. It's, uh, well, I know for a fact he doesn't like uh, David Warner, I reckon, when he was playing with him. That's that's a, that's a certainty. But, uh, he's obviously taken a new media role within the West... Was it the article in the Western Australian, Paddy? Are you sure it was? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not across the media, mate. But, um, but yeah, he's uh, coming out absolutely swinging... It is his opinion, and that's what the media is, but it's a very, very vicious opinion. And, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where the uh, where it goes. Um, I'm not sure if David Warner's come out and said anything yet, but a few cricketers have sort of slowly put their, uh, their two, two cents in, and um, but it'll be interesting. David Warner's obviously one of the greats, and Mitchell Johnson is not a fan. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a big David Warner man, but he, he did play his role in the World Cup, which we won. And he doesn't have one of the worst sleeves of all time. And he hasn't backed away from getting hammered by anyone. And he's been hammered a lot his whole career. And I vaguely remember, and Roycey, you will know this, so you straighten this up. But I reckon Mitch Johnson copped a bit and didn't like it. 
and now he's on the other side of the fence and he's hurling it. Yeah, he would have been one of your idols, wasn't he? Your your big medium paces, Royce. Like he, I know Bishop Johnson's fast, but well, your Richie big medium paces. Right arm, fa- he was left arm fast, so a little yeah, bit different. Yeah, that's what I mean. He might get a run on every show, I think, mightn't it? The medium <laughs> paces, but no, I'll keep going. No, he was an idol growing up. Um, he hated copying it, and now he's dishing it out. It's uh it's a full reverse cycle when you go into the media, I think, and uh, yeah, it's uh very interesting to say the least. I think. Uh, Mitch has done well. He's got himself in the middle of the paper like you blokes did the first episode. Yeah. So, well done. <laughs> everyone, knows, everyone knows he's in the media now, don't they? Correct. I reckon, well. I reckon Davey will make a big hundred and just stick it right up him. Yeah. But he yeah, is playing I against Pakistan too, so... You can't not pick him, can you? Like, he's... Well, I know it's one white ball cricket, but, like, he's he was making runs for fun in India. I think if the cricket... cricket uh, set up was like what it was when I was young and there was good shield cricket upon us and there was a bloke making just hundreds mm. like remember Pratty back in the day like Devenuto was just making bulk runs yep. and he just kind of was he's always there when yep. the cricket when the test series was about to start he already made a, a ton of runs at the shield level yeah even blokes like Marcus North and all of those they were knocking Stuart down Stuart Law 24-7 and uh, yeah just couldn't get a game and that yeah, sort of doesn't North. happen anymore it doesn't happen at the moment it's just like they're all in the IPL or they're in a World Cup or they're 2020. The 2020s is probably about to start the Big Bash. It's all different yeah. now. So no one can sort of like cement their CV and say, hey, I am the incumbent test opener. Yeah, it's a little yeah. bit mixed the way they play the cricket now. So um, They have been playing a, like a games, little bit of shield, yeah. but it's not like it used to be, I agree. No, definitely not. Um, yeah, but the I Big think, Bash starts think, on Saturday. That's always good fun in run. Um, but I think as a... As a just as a statement, the early crow stands behind David Warner and wishes him all the best in his uh, final hurrah this summer. I think yeah. if there's ever an opportunity to potentially play someone when they're not at their best and potentially score runs, it's David Warner in this upcoming series. So good luck. I him, think man. it'd be a bit rich of us if we were to go against a, a, a slightly short, incredibly powerful and aggressive left-hander too. <laughs> I mean, I haven't <laughs> seen Tom Wilde cricket bat yet, but I've heard about it and I picture it to be very Davy-like. <laughs> Yeah, look, it's it's similar, not as good, but it's not, it's it's all right. I'm looking forward to our next session. When's that? When's that? Is that? Uh, it be this this summer, would it, Paddy, or what? Yeah, well, it's up to you, mate. When you when you make it down to Melbourne, we can we can organise that to happen. Oh, I Firstly, think we I want to sort of end of summer when he's a bit sore and tired. <laughs> we keep it like early, crow, early crow triathlon, be like a the fifty fifty meter twenty five meter lap pool swim into the net session into the ping pong. <laughs> Into the golf. We keep getting washed out, mate. I'll be I'll be as fit as a fiddle by the end of the season. Hopefully, you got you spent <laughs> oh, that time cool. working on that body language. Um, NFL, NFL, got it. Felt good. Uh, and uh, Tom, we've only just found all the toys that Tom threw out of the cot there on uh, Monday afternoon when I went three and zero from just fading him. Uh, he's <laughs> looking to change the rules up now. Um, wants me to put my picks in first, which would be tough because I don't know what I'm talking about or doing. Um, Look, there's been a bit of conjecture also, Tom, if they're actually your tips. Like, are they <laughs> definitely your tips? Well, does it matter if they're not? Because they're not going <laughs> they're any not, good. <laughs> what, what are the rules going to be moving forward? Well, I just think you need to go first at least one week. Well, I'll go first this week. Yeah. Are, oh, you, gonna I'm fade, not t- are you going to fade me, though? Uh, don't Come know. On, I might... I might... Uh, try go for a new source 
<laughs> that's, that's helping me with the tips, but uh, I don't know. I think my man's going to bounce back. I've been, we've been, I've been telling him, geez, we're going to lift a bit, but see how we go. But I don't, I've, got, I've got to keep on his good side because, <laughs> tell you what, the big bash is coming up. I don't not want to get on the other side of him because that's where we, we make money. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever's Juzzy's using is doing a great job. Um, <laughs> the crust actually knows he's good. <laughs> what else has been going on? No, What's not much. Like? Is it just full on training there? Yeah, yeah, look, it's um, it's good to be back, sort of. But um, we've got two weeks left. It's pretty full on. Um, but no, it's good to be back. The like we were saying before, the recruits are looking good and no, looking forward to the year. It's um, forty degrees here on Friday, so I'm really looking at looking forward to that session. Should be great fun. Um, and we're pushed back later as well, so that's even better. But um, no, other than that, it's all good. <laughs> I'll be on the Gold Coast Friday. Hopefully it is for <laughs> you, though. Uh, like, I'm, I'm favourite, but it's certainly uh, no moral. Yeah. Guys, I reckon that's that's Early Crow, episode 15. Uh, I really, really enjoyed our chat with Kerry McAvoy. Uh, we'll be back. We're definitely going to try and get back next week. We got a bit distracted last week. Um, we're going to try and focus up, blinkers on. Um, if you've got some ideas of what we could sort of do next week and you want to get involved, uh, hit us up on the socials, Instagram or Twitter. What's it called now? X. Link? No, X. Uh, yeah, let us know what you're thinking. Um, but yeah, we'll be there on Saturday on Twitter, on Instagram with uh, accountable staking advice for Ballarat and wherever they are in Sydney. Tommy, do you know? Uh, no, I haven't checked. Actually. Somewhere in Sydney, it's probably a metro meeting, and uh, we're completely airborne. So if you're not following it, uh, you're losing money. So make sure you find it, uh, get around it, and uh, we'll see you. You'll hear us sometime next week. Have a great weekend, and bye for now. Bye for now.